0: Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining me again this week. We have an awesome episode for you. I am so excited to welcome our guests today. The hosts of Talk Description to Me, Christine Malik and JJ Hunt. Welcome to the Blind Beginnings Podcast.
2: Thanks.
1: Yeah. So Rob, our producer, mentioned talk description to me months ago, and I'm pretty busy and I didn't get around to listening to it until yesterday. And I went down a rabbit hole. I, I've been visu- yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, yes,
1: <loved her> <laughs> your, your downloads probably went up yesterday. You might notice, uh, <laughs> I've been visually impaired all my life. Uh, I have retinitis pigmentosa, so I could see a little bit as a kid, um, but not great and not the full picture. So the first one I listened to was Urban Animals and you were describing the difference between squirrels and chipmunks. Uh, I listened to an episode about silent jobs, fascinating. you guys were talking about conductors of an orchestra and uh, the other one that, the one that really blew my mind was the airport marshal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who like helps park <laughs> the airplanes. Like, what?
2: <laughs> I had no idea. They so, like God, right? There are these <laughs> tiny specks and they're well, moving I mean, these enormous machines.
1: Yeah. Like I think of, you know, jumping out of the, the truck to, you know, guide the person into a parking spot times like a hundred. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) so it was super fun and like I'm just gonna have to listen to all the episodes now because I feel like I learned so much just in a couple hours yesterday but okay I'm gushing can you guys introduce yourselves (laughs) um yeah tell me a little bit about yourself your background and how you came to be doing this maybe Christine you go
2: first Sure. Uh, My name is Christine Malik. I'm a member of the blind community in Toronto, Canada. Um, Like you, I've been blind all of my life with a little bit of sight as a kid, but exactly like you, very incomplete uh, picture of the world. So um, I am sort of a consultant for arts and sciences to make stuff more accessible for blind and low vision community. And um, I first met JJ uh, several years ago and we we really got along and uh, we started doing all kinds of work together uh, which culminated in the podcast and continues on now into uh, accessible astronomy so happy to build on any more of that later but uh, JJ. Cool.
3: Yeah, so my name's JJ Hunt. I am a sighted middle-aged white guy from Toronto, and uh, yeah, I'm a describer by trade. So I kind of got into the business over 20 years ago in the days of VHS tapes, um, describing movies and TV shows, and uh, and then I, I got I got invited into the world of museums and live events, and started doing describing things like parades and the Pan Am and Parapan Am games, and was really taken with that and then yeah my friendship with Christine meant that we always had this kind of a very casual description kind of quality to our friendship right there was just lots of opportunity for for you know totally casual description and and then post pandemic or during the pandemic I guess it was uh we, we got onto this idea of this podcast. What if we made some of those more casual conversations a little bit more formal and had topics and ideas and, uh, and then the podcast was born.
1: Cool. Okay. I want to know how you came up with topics, but before I, like, how does somebody become a describer? Like as a kid, were you just like really good at describing things? Like, how, <laughs> how do you even get to be somebody that does that?
3: Well, as a kid, I didn't have a clue that this job existed. It was not on my radar at all. I actually was—I went to theater school, went to university for theater for directing, and uh, and I thought I might do some voice work. And so, when I got out of theater school, I, I volunteered for an organization called the National Broadcast Reading Service. I'm not sure if it's still around or if there, are you know, there aren't as many, the need for that isn't quite the same as it was back then, 20 years ago. Um, and so we would, uh, folks would volunteer, you know, get a little bit of microphone time, booth time, and we would read magazine and newspaper articles and they would be broadcast so that uh, folks who are blind or low vision could listen to uh, to newspaper magazine articles and, you know, one day I was in the booth recording and I saw an, an ad on the bullet. Would you like to be paid for this? And I thought, yes, yes, I would. And so I got into description narration. It was the first I'd ever heard of it. And then from the narration side, I, I learned that my theater training was was really helpful in in prioritizing when writing a description script. That's a huge part of writing audio description for movies and TV is figuring out what's important and what can be left left aside and and so my my theater training was really good at that. So from the narration, I got into the the description writing and then kind of kept going from there
1: right because the narrator isn't oh always the one writing, right? So I feel like That's the writer's right. job is the hardest part is like the timing and how much time do you have to say this? And
3: yeah, Yeah. they're definitely, I mean, some folks do both. If you're in a live description situation, you're it's, you tend to be just one person. You are kind of writing in your head just before you speak. Um, But if it's a a movie or TV gig, often they are separate jobs. Um, Sometimes you get to do both. I was lucky enough to get to do both a lot of the time, but, uh, but they are separate jobs. And yeah, the, the writer has to figure out, Uh, you know, the the actual words, how to fit this in there, make the, you know, make the choices and whatnot. Uh, The narrator's job really is to be as precise with the voice as possible to really help paint the picture and to, uh, you know, do a little bit of level setting with tone, making sure your tone is, is, is right. I mean, that that's where it comes alive is, is in the voice is, is with that narration. So there are, there are absolute pros on, on both sides, on the narration and the description writing side for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you, how do you come up with what is going to be described? Christine, are you just like, did you just start making a list of all the things you were curious about or how, how did this come to be?
2: I did actually have a sort of list that I hadn't really thought of, but I definitely had topics in my head at the beginning of like, oh, I hope we get around to this or that uh, someday. Um, Our topic choices were first guided by current events. So if there was something in the news that week, which had visual elements that weren't obvious, and that was of interest to enough people uh you know there were certain criteria for current events as to whether it was a good idea for us to cover so first we would go from current events then you know kind of social trends like you know cartoons or something so we had an episode on comics and and social based art kind of thing. So memes on Facebook and things like that. Uh, sometimes it was just an idea that would pop into one of our heads like, Hey, we should, you know, we should talk about this or, or that thing. So it was kind of based on current events. We, we definitely took audience feedback as well. So if uh, yeah. we had requests for certain topics uh, we would consider whether it was a good, a good fit for us to do. And um just sometimes it was just following our particular curiosities or interest into uh, into what we wanted to talk about. Sometimes it was life dependent. I remember JJ had been uh, out in Nova Scotia sort of out in the country and he said, hey, would it be good to do an episode on, you know, woodland like what it looks like to be in the woods I'm like yeah so sometimes it was just things that would come up in our daily lives that we went hey that's that's totally description worthy so it was kind of all of those things uh in a mix and match
1: I listened to uh, a bit of the one where you were in Vancouver and you were in the car of the de- um describer from Vocali I can't mm. remember her name and I learned things
2: about the city that I've grown up in
1: <laughs> from that episode so that was
2: really cool. Oh, every episode, every single episode, I learned something. And I just consider myself so lucky because I got to learn those things. I got to ask the questions I wanted the answers to. And uh, I got to be kind of a bit of the voice of the blind community, like the one to be able to ask questions. Because that's sort of the limitation of conventional audio description, right? Is that you get what you get and you know there's a ton of stuff behind that, but there's no space or context within Mm -hmm. which to ask questions and have them answered. And so that was one of the genius elements of our podcast, if I may say, is that it gave the format to dig deeper. So, you know, I'm thinking of, we talked about, there was this hideous phenomenon in California called the fire tornado. And JJ was describing, and, you know, I was able to say, okay, so can we take a step back and describe the normal garden variety tornado first, because I don't really have a sense of that. So the ability to go behind the the surface and go deeper to get the underlying context that sighted people just already have uh it was it was a crucial and excellent part of the podcast for us for me
1: i also you're seeing like a, i l- i listened to a lot yesterday but i also listened <laughs> to the beginning of the animation episode where you got into describing flintstones which <laughs> i used to watch as a kid and it's funny because Yeah, like describing Fred and Barney as sausage (laughs) (laughs) with no necks or chins, and and I can I can still picture Betty and I was gonna say Veronica, no wrong wrong thing, (laughs) Betty and Wilma, (laughs) and their skinny little and you're you're saying their waist is about you know almost as as thin as their neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can picture that. I remember that. But what I didn't know when I was a kid was that all of the things were animals. So you were describing the lawnmower being like a dinosaur type thing on a platform that's stretching its neck and eating the grass. And, you know, the garbage disposal was some pig type of dinosaur (laughs) that just ate (laughs) everything you threw in there, I guess. Like, it was so fascinating. It's so cool.
3: You know, and (laughs) that's the kind of thing as a as a as a describer if you're working on a show that moves quickly especially animation the simpsons family guy the flintstones those those kinds of shows are Jam-packed with with, with visuals. There's little gags all over the place. There might be a poster in the background of a Simpsons frame that has some sort of in-joke that references something that happened in season three that was also an in-joke. I mean, and 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 the screen is constantly filled with these things. And as a describer, you mostly just have to let them go. Like there's nothing you can do. And so to have this opportunity to 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 kind of dive in it it, it was it's a joy like it's it really is so much fun as it described to be like okay Let's take seven minutes to describe this like three second scene. Cause, cause it's brilliant and, and you can, and, 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 and Chris could ask the questions and she could lead me down all sorts of paths. Like what about this? And what about that? And like, Chris talks about learning a lot, which is wonderful. That's awesome. And, and I gotta say, I feel like I learned a lot too because through those questions um, I would learn all sorts of things that I didn't know about how Chris views the world. And I didn't, and things that I needed to know, both just as a, as a human, as someone sharing this world and as a describer too. Uh, a total joy, a total treat and, and, and such a learning opportunity.
2: Do you remember the movie posters, JJ? This was so cute. We, (laughs) We did an episode on movie posters and I, they were just a total blank to me. I knew nothing. And, and we, I think we'd done the whole episode and it was great. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, I knew nothing about movie posters. And for JJ, you, you described like growing up with them, papering your walls. And so something yeah. that was such an imma- immense mm-hmm. part of your cultural upbringing was complete zero to me. And you, I think you had a, I remember you,
3: what, what? Oh yeah, <laughs> well, movie posters were everything to me because I, I was such a movie fan and keeping the art, like I, I remember finding a warehouse. And again, this was like in the 1980s, you couldn't just order something off of eBay. We found a guy in Toronto, who had a warehouse full of movie posters and my buddies and I would go and flip through these you know, these big like display cases full of these movie posters. I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. And then I'd keep these movie posters on my walls as as and and just one glance could take me back into the film. So the visual for me, that key was so important to remembering the whole movie and and knowing when a new movie came out, what art was on the poster that would tell me so much about what was going to happen or what the vibe was going to be. And so when Chris, yes, as she said at the end of the episode, it was like, "Yeah, no, I, none of that meant anything to me." Growing up, I was like, "Oh, why?" Like, it, it, how? And yeah. yet, how did I not? How had I not put that together? Is the next question. Like, obviously, mm. that wasn't going to mean anything to Chris, and yet it still hadn't occurred to me. We've been friends for years. We've been doing the podcast for a hundred episodes at that point, and it still hadn't. Uh, you know, uh, learning every single time.
1: Right. So how much research do you have to do once you decide on a topic? Like, I'm just thinking about Flintstones. Like, is it, is it easy? Is it like, oh yeah, i just watch another episode and I remember, and I can tell you everything or <laughs> were there things that, that pop out at you? Once you are focused on it, like the scenery, you were describing movement and you were saying how they use the same frame again and again and again. So Fred and Barney are running or driving past the same building and the same multiple times. But like, do you notice that when you're watching it? Just not paying attention? Just yeah.
3: So that's interesting. So some of that stuff, like in that in that particular example, that was something I already knew just because I'm a I'm a film buff. I'm a, I'm a Mm -hmm. bit of a, you know, a bit of a a geek for such things. And I, because of my work, I, 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 I do observe things quite um, intensely, right. That's part of my personality at this point. So some of that stuff going into the the uh, my prep for the episode, I knew I was going to want to flag that I knew I was going to want to flag the fact that the legs will move, (laughs) but the rest of the body won't, you know, there's something about that I knew I was going to want to talk about, but then I have to just dive into the research and start rewatching, you know, uh, read some essays that other people have written, um, see if anyone else has done any uh, describing on this front and see if I can pull any anything in from there. And then I, I would build Uh, a a general understanding of what it is, all the visuals we were talking about. And then I would kind of try and break it into categories, you know, try and make some sense of all of those random notes. And that's when Chris and I would start talking, like, here's what I'm, I'm I've got some ideas on this and some ideas on that. I got some notes on this and Chris might say, yeah, this is interesting. That's interesting. That part. Yeah. Not so much, you know, okay, there you go. Um, And then I might focus the research more. And then when, when, you know, we hit record it, it, it's, it's chris in the lead she she's asking the questions and so i have to my notes are there i've got my bits of research but um but but i go where where chris takes me because uh, as she said she, in in this context she's the one who's speaking for the community it's it's it, 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 she's the lead on this and also does all the editing by the way so that at the end of the podcast when we've recorded and uh, and we're getting ready to uh, to release it's it, it was always chris who did the edit because she was the the final uh, you know she got the final say is this interesting is this worthwhile will the community uh, um, get something out of this and uh, and that's her call, not mine.
1: So, how does the community respond? Do you guys have a lot of followers? Do you get a lot of requests to describe certain things?
2: We've had such great community response. Um, in fact, we so the as of uh, August twenty twenty two, we had to sort of hit pause on production of the podcast for financial reasons. But I was. Uh, I was, I met some American blind people who'd come up to Toronto for some other reasons. And I, after meeting, they're like, Hey, are you Christine from the top? And they knew so much about the podcast and they're, they're super smart, well-informed, you know, thoughtful people. And each, all of them were like that podcast gave me so much and I it was so rich. And um, the feedback that we've gotten, um, it's kind of extraordinary, actually. We haven't gotten yeah. any negative feedback, which no. some people think maybe that's bad. Maybe you're supposed to get negative feedback, but we get lovely feedback. And uh, some of it is a bit surprising. Like I know this is something, JJ, that you particularly appreciate is people who say, as you have, uh, Sean, like, I remember this, but it's so long ago that I forgot I knew it because I I don't have sight yeah. anymore or whatever. And yeah, JJ, I think that's an aspect you particularly enjoy, eh?
3: Yeah, i, I kind of blown away. Yeah, I, I think we had some idea when we started putting this out that it would be useful, this kind of content would be useful for people to understand um, the visuals of current events. So, you know, just a tiny minor example, when uh, at the Academy Awards, when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock on stage at the Oscars, Mm. describing the visuals of that, which we did on Twitter, actually, not even on the podcast, gave people an understanding of what exactly that moment looked like. And we had, we had a, a, a guess that, that kind of description of current event visuals would be helpful for people trying to understand current events. But what I didn't know in particular, I I was really, as Chris said, quite taken by this, is this idea that different people with different experiences and different relationships with sight were going to be using the podcast in different ways. Like we we had some feedback from listeners who had sight Uh, and then lost it. And they told us that that they were using the podcast, like a, sometimes like a photo album, like a sighted person would use a photo album. And we had someone who, who said, you know, that they listened to the podcast about fireworks to remember what it was like to listen to fireworks. And I was, I was just blown away by that. Again, I, it hadn't really occurred to me. Um, and, And, you know, people listening to the podcast for very personal reasons. We had someone tell us that they listen to the podcast um, on uh, Minecraft. We did a whole episode on the visuals of the, of the video game on the Minecraft platform. And, and they listened to that so that they could then hang out with their grandkid and play minecraft together and it's like oh my yeah. god it was like, it was so lovely to get these personal stories of people uh using this work uh you know as a describer i don't know i i've probably worked on 2000 film and tv episodes Chris has been a consultant for years and years and years, and you do hear lovely things on Twitter these days. Saw this description on this TV show, and that was so wonderful. Loved the description on this movie; it's so great. Like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the the kind of personal stories that people were sharing with us, um, it, it was uh, humbling and uh, and and it, it got quite emotional. I have to say, reading some of these uh, some of these letters and emails.
1: I'm so excited. My son plays Minecraft, and he's su- so super into it. He's nine, and he cited, and I have no idea what he's talking about. So now I'm going to have to go listen
2: to that episode. Awesome. As
1: well.
2: <laughs> 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 well, it also is a reservoir in a sense. Like I was looking at uh, our Facebook page just yesterday, and there's all these. I, I somehow had missed these, but. At the beginning of January, we our we did an episode on the insurrection in the United States on January mm-hmm. 6th. Uh, and uh, on, <clears throat> on the dark anniversary of that day, uh, a few organizations sent out our yeah. the link to that episode as a resource. Here's what it looked like. And so it's really rewarding to know that we did that great and sometimes difficult work and that it exists and it's in the world now so that... Uh, blind people can look back. And this is something that I n- notice in listening to old episodes, if that ever happens, is that sighted people, you see the same images over and over and you you don't forget them. They're in your memory and they just exist there. But if you hear an episode once, like I'm not gonna remember all that stuff. It doesn't stay in my mind the way a visual image does. So, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 archive that exists of the episodes we've done so far are they're really precious to me, and and I hope to the blind community as well because it's a reservoir of of description rich conversation, and there's such a broad range of topics that you're bound to find something that uh, you're curious about. Well, our audience
1: is children and youth who are blind and their families. I mean, I hope our audiences beyond that but blind beginning supports families and so if you've never seen as you know there's there's a lot of mystery in the world and something like the episode on nonverbal communication we have a creating confidence workshop where we actually talk about like how do you wave how what's a wink Ah, like all of that stuff and i felt like your episode it's there's episodes that could be resources for our parents. Like listen to this to figure out how to describe Um, how to do some of this body language stuff right or Mm -hmm. listen to this to figure out how to describe some of the professions that are out there that your kid probably isn't noticing or just to be aware of what the gaps might be in the understand like animals i I always joke about how my idea of animals is stuffed animals of course I I got a guide dog um in my 30s it didn't Workout, but that was the first time I realized dogs' legs bent, like because <laughs> stuffed animal yeah. legs don't, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> like they have elbows and wrists and things. That's weird. I didn't know that. <laughs> Ten- tangentially, I'm going to tell you a little tidbit. Um, you may have been seeing a lot of coverage about the chatbot gpt chatbot Yeah. Um, you can go there and i did this i said give me a verbal description of the cn tower or give me a verbal description of an alligator so animals is a big one like animals like an alligator how, how the heck am i gonna know what an alligator looks like and it's a big gap for kids yeah. and especially kids are sensitive to it because all kids are always talking about animals and stuff right so um there's uh You know, we didn't get around to everything in the podcast, but uh, the chatbot gave me what sounded to me like a very coherent description Mm -hmm. of an alligator. So the world's full of (laughs) resources.
1: Um, Christine, has there been something that JJ has described for you that did totally blow your mind, but something you didn't expect at
2: all? Oh, my God, like so many things. Um, One I remember was uh, we were talking about GPS and mapping apps, like very visual apps. And he was saying how when you're in a car and you're looking at your phone, whatever, driving, your point of view keeps shifting to reflect where you are. So if you're driving north, you see yourself going north. And I'm not sure, maybe JJ, maybe you're gonna need to help me here, but I had sort of pictured a big map and you're plunked on the map and you see yourself whizzing around. You turn right, you turn yeah. left, la, la 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 but you're kind of always facing the same. Maybe you can extend that. Yeah, Gene. I know.
3: Yeah, that's right. It's that <laughs> point of view. It's that the, the point of view, uh, is especially drivers use this when they've got, when they've got the, the, uh, you know, ways or Google maps on there, it's, it's almost always pointing forward. So the point of view, uh, you know, your direction, the cardinal direction shifts depending on where you're going. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, that was, I, I remember being quite surprised that you were really taken by that. Do you maps, remember? Maps, I guess, yeah, yeah. We're, were a real thing. We, we, we talked about maps a few times.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love talking geography. I'm trying to remember. I'm sure there was other sh- things where I was shocked. Um, infrastructure was really interesting to me. We did one yeah. on like hydro poles and telephone poles and streetcar tracks yeah. and, uh, and advertising.
3: Again, I remember you being really oh, blown God, away that by was the a big a, amount of advertising, visual advertising that's in. It, it, it,
2: Shocked it, it, and appalled. Yes. <laughs> There's Disney adverts on the freaking bananas. Oh on my bananas.
3: God. Ban- what? Like oh yes, but a lot of bananas See? will have little stickers on them that are I'm advertisements for Disney Those are movies. Ads? Some right? of them are ads. Like some of them say, you know, dole, or you know, grown in wherever, but some of them are like a little sticker for frozen or minions or something like that. Disney Don't you
2: just want to go hey. have a shower right now, Sean? Yeah. Isn't that just icky? <laughs>
3: Yeah. And just this, yeah. yeah, describing I actually I was thinking about this just the other day. I was walking down the street, and there's a bank around the corner from me that's got a, you know, it's a whole wall of windows, and inside the bank is a is a wall size screen. Like it's a, a TV screen that's probably three feet tall and five feet wide. It's just massive playing ads for the bank that you are standing in all the time. It's just constantly <laughs> playing ads. So as you as I walk through my neighborhood, I am not only seeing the bank which has a giant sign outside that identifies the bank it glows all night long there's also a television in the window in the lit bank that is lit all night and it has a tv running all night with ads for the bank all the time and then like this this idea that there are tv screens advertising advertising all over the place in restaurants, the TVs in corners, it, it, like up in the corner the, uh, by the ceiling in the restaurant that'll have an you know ads or a local news station or whatever. Oh my and I remember to talking to Chris about this and, and listing them just like this one after the other after the other and you hear Chris groaning sick. like oh
2: yeah. yeah I can't take anymore. Like I'm only yeah. hearing about it and I, I can't <laughs> take anymore. And so there, it's it's that it's like those specific things but then it's the shift that I have to try and take in in my mind of, okay, so sighted people are just seeing this all the time and they don't puke. Like, I feel like I want to puke, you know, (laughs) but somehow they've learned to To live with it it somehow, like they have a tolerance or a threshold. So not only is it the fact itself of what's there, it's the mindset or the mental formations, whatever of the sighted world that accepts this as normal and is Mm -hmm. not. Second, well, well, I know a lot of people are second by, but you know, they're yeah. used to it. It's part of your everyday landscape. So, both of those things are, are parts of cultural literacy, I would say, that the podcast taught yeah. me a lot about.
1: Right. Wow. Can I put you on the spot, JJ, and ask you to describe something, just so people can- uh... <laughs> <laughs> Don't right, ask get, him to describe you, it, you yeah. Sean. Uh, I'm helping you out there, JJ.
0: No, 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 he no, 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 hates no, that. Thanks.
1: <laughs> that makes me cringe. It's, yeah, I think it's an easy one. Go for it. Okay. Um, can you describe lightning?
3: Lightning, yes. Okay, so there are lots of different kinds of lightning. There's the classic kind of the you know, the kind of the cartoon lightning bolt, which goes. And if you if you are able to find a video of it on YouTube or something and you watch in slow motion, you can actually see it go from sky to ground and, and make this little zigzaggy motion until it hits the ground. But it happens so fast, um, if you're not watching it in slow motion, it just appears as a zigzaggy line in a flash. And there's so much light involved in that lightning bolt that all of the sky will light up. So not only do you get the it's it's not like you've written with a a white pen on a black background. The entire area, the entire horizon goes bright white. But it's not as clean as all that, right? Like that's a very simplistic idea of what lightning is. It probably has um, tendrils coming off of it. So it's not just one lightning bolt, but it's going to be several that are coming off at the same time. But that's just one kind of lightning. You can also be, there can be lightning that comes like horizontally underneath clouds. And so it'll like scatter across uh, overhead in this kind of web of lightning. Um, And and it's got very, very fine lines to it so it it looks almost more like if you've ever uh felt tree like plant roots if you've ever taken like mm-hmm. pulled a, a dandelion or a plant out of the ground shaking off all the dirt and you felt all the all the roots coming out the bottom of that plant not only do you have main stalks of of root but there's going to be very very fine lines coming off of it and that's what a lot of those l- like lightning webs look like they got fine 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 lines as well as the as well as the kind of more solid uh substantial branches and those are just like that's just too kinds of lightning without any notes right like the, like yeah. uh, I remember I think we talked about lightning as part of one of those uh, one of our weather episodes and I, I think we identified like half a dozen different kinds of lightning and the different kinds of light depending on um what the sky is already what is this at in the daytime is this at night is this um you know at sunset the the the, the way that that light that flash of light, uh, um works and interacts with the existing sky, the colors that are already in the sky will change um, how that lightning is perceived all around uh, all around you all, all across the horizon.
1: Is it harder to see lightning in the daylight?
3: It is. It is. Cause it's, you don't, you don't get, have those contrasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you certainly can. It's the, 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 the flashes tend to be bright enough that, uh, that it, there's still a change in, in the light around you for sure.
1: Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> I just want our I want our listeners to, to see like what, what this podcast is like. So hopefully that will intrigue them to listen for more. Um, you mentioned astronomy. Tell me about that. What, what are you guys working on now?
2: This is so awesome. Um, we are consult we're working with the chandra x-ray observatory which is a limb of nasa and they release images which are visualizations of their data so x-rays they're not visible to the human eye anyway so when when they're releasing images for the public they are constructed they are translated into visual medium so they make it into a picture that looks interesting and beautiful and so This is a a tool of outreach for science education. It's meant to, you know, engage people who are non-scientists. And so what JJ and I do, mostly JJ, I'm the consultant. So we write image descriptions for those images. Uh, And so JJ will get an image. We get maybe two or three a month. He'll get an image with the science attached. Like, what is it? How is, you know, what are you looking at? And he will write a description geared for a blind and low vision audience. I will read it for, you know, for coherence. Does this make sense to me? Is there something that could be stated differently or more clearly? Uh, And then that gets posted as alt text and as, you know, part of the image release on social media uh, for, for the Chandra Observatory. So we, we've been working on that. We've also been asked to, uh, participate in workshops to kind of teach our technique or right because we've had to develop a kind of distinctive writing technique to do this it's not straight up description writing in the usual way so we've been asked to help and teach other science educators how to do this which is phenomenal because it means there'll be more description uh, out in the world and I've been a consultant also on sonifications which are auditory representations of the same data so you take an astronomical image, image like that's probably x-rays or something non-visual anyway then instead of converting it into a, a beautiful image you you convert it into something auditory so it's not quite music but it's using some of the the theory of music to create an auditory piece that represents the um the astronomical data that's trying to be conveyed. So it's about science education and how to make that more inclusive for everybody. And as a longtime science geek, when I was a kid, Uh, My access to this stuff was reading science fiction and watching space documentaries on TV, which was all great, but, you know, it was all in my head and it was all word-based. So I am so excited to be part of this work. Um, I mean, partly because I'm just still big space geek, but um, also because I'm excited for what it might mean for blind kids today uh, who may or may not be considering a career in STEM because I never really considered one. um, And that's, uh, that's what it is. It may have been, you know, it's probably the right choice, but if I had 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 access to this kind of material when I was a kid, who knows how mm-hmm. my professional life would have unfolded. So for me, it's super exciting work uh, on, on several levels. And I just feel, oh my gosh, I, I love where, uh, <laughs> where me and JJ are. And it was during, and you'll see in the podcast listings that there's many episodes on, Astronomy <laughs> and space exploration, and those were always me go. Can we do this? I really want to talk about that. I really want to know about this. <laughs> and so that was my was that was kind of my lead. And uh, you know, JJ was very happy to talk about uh, those in various ways that uh, we were able to use to kind of catch people's attention as see, look what you can do with with description. And so it became our in uh, yeah. to the science world to say, well, here's what we've done so far and you know we can we can build on that and here's here's some example of what accessible astronomy can look like let's come up with some some others and so i i personally feel so gratified with how well that's been received over the last few years and the interest that has been shown in making astronomy more accessible and inclusive
1: that's super cool i'm definitely going to have to listen to those astronomy episodes i've been saying you know, I've never seen the stars. What's the big deal about
2: pinpricks of light in the sky? <laughs> I'm going to recommend the Northern Lights episode for uh, a couple of reasons. One is Northern Lights super popular in in mm-hmm. cult you know cultural literacy. Like everyone knows what they look like, um, and also because it's not really ab it's not super abstract hard science. And the third reason is that it was fun to do because jj and i got to step outside of the conventional describer technique because in in that genre you're meant to describe what you see but i really i said to jj i i want to know what you're seeing but i also want to know how it felt because so much about looking at the night sky is your emotional response to it and i don't want to miss out on that part because that's also you know something i can't experience right. directly so that episode is just so lovely because there's straight up description but then there's you know some more personal parts that uh that were more subjective uh so- and if you want to hear jj's blair blair witch experience you've got to listen to that <laughs> <too>. <laughs> did you actually go like were you oh listening? field research yeah we went up to, uh- no <laughs> i wish
3: <laughs> no, yeah. I'd been before I've seen the the Northern Lights a few times in my life in okay. person. And so I, I kind of for my research I drew on those personal experiences and also watched a lot of footage online. So I could, mm-hmm. I mean, and and those are both as those, as far as I'm concerned, legitimate ways for people to experience the northern lights these days. That's how most of us, most of the time, will be experiencing the northern lights is is uh, through a screen. So, okay, let's talk about what that looks like. What are the videos that are that are available? And here's my here's my own personal experience being outside at night in a in a remote northern place. Um, experiencing those, you know, the phenomenon. So to be able to talk to all different sides of that, uh, all different parts of that was, uh, was key. And we're always, we try and be really clear when we, you know, when we're describing, I'll, I'll say this is the research I've done. This is what I Googled. Like, this is where I've been. This is how I'm, This so that we're, we're clear and we don't, we don't want to, you know, pretend we were people. We're not, we, we don't want to pretend we're scientists. We're talking about these things from, from our, our personal experiences and perspectives. And, uh, and we always try and be clear about that.
1: Yeah. So with all this astronomy stuff, have you had to learn a lot JJ like do you know much about astronomy how is oh, it to describe things like that
3: Yeah it's really tricky so as Chris says the when when we get each new release it comes with a uh, with a document basically the 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 text that is going to be released to the public that accompanies these images the you know the the, the press release essentially um and so it's packed with uh, with science writing, and they're good. They they know they're writing. They 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 have the, you, you, Chan, the folks at Chandra uh, are very good about writing in a way that most people uh, can eventually understand it's still dense it's still really some of it's like okay which which one of these is the nebula uh, a, I think that's the jet but I'm not, is that a quasar like sometimes it does get a little bit trippy and uh, and, and I, I'm picking up a little bit uh, mostly just enough to get myself in trouble like I can, I can throw a few words around and if someone really knows what they're talking about and they decide to test me on it woo yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna go well I mean what the fun thing about that gig I mean, there are a dozen fun things about that gig, but one of the things I really love is to like, you know, sit down at the dinner table with the, with the family at the end of the day and like, Oh, what'd you do today? Wow, well, well, you know, I was uh, working on a black hole for NASA, you know,
2: just, <laughs> Oh, yeah, cred, sure eh? like yeah. that, oh you I know. had a meeting with NASA earlier. Just yeah, chatting with NASA.
3: That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> throw that around as often oh, yeah. as I can.
2: Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So You've, you're on a hiatus for talk
2: description to me. Is it coming back? What's the plan there? We hope so. Uh, we had a you know, a cessation of funding uh, from our original funder. So we are in active conversations about how to bring it back, uh, in a broader way, so uh, I don't want to say too much about our collaborators yet, but uh, we we really love the work and we miss the work. We miss working together. I mean, we're still yeah. working together on the you know on the astronomy stuff, but we had a we had a little you know every Wednesday morning we did this mm. Zoom call and yeah we, you know, we sort of miss that part too. So we miss doing the podcast. We really do, and we have some great ideas for how to broaden it to to include more of the community as well. So we are up. Optimistic that uh, possibly sometime this year it will return in a, a slightly expanded uh, format because it's still a great idea uh, and uh, it's there's still there's still a gap when it comes to news because even if there's a news reader sitting right there they're talk 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 but you don't know what's going on visually behind them um, mm. stuff comes up on social media with lots of current images and not too many of them are alt text described. So, and there's just always more and more and more to, to describe. So the gap is still there for, for us to fill. So I'm, I'm optimistic that it it will revive. And
3: as, as Chris says, you know, like we, we, we didn't have the revenue source. We lost our revenue source. uh, And so we needed to rebuild. And we thought while we're rebuilding our model, frankly, part of the problem is there's, there's a lot of opportunity to describe there's all sorts of things that need to be described in ways to use this description rich approach but there's not a platform that supports uh content creators uh this is it's work uh chris does professional work Uh, this is my job and all the other folks who are doing this kind of work um and treating it seriously um they need a platform to, uh, to present their work. And so what we're hoping to do is while finding a way for us to be supported, maybe we can also find a way to support a a description rich industry. So that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're working on. We're in the early days, but we're still, we're we're working on it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it is, it is work and it is really, really important work. I'm so grateful uh, just how much, how much more is described now, TV, movies, those kinds of things, live theater. You know, yeah. when I was growing up, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So I, yeah. I appreciate, I, I definitely, there's a lot of value in what you're doing. And yeah, I'm looking at this as like, this is an amazing resource that is just out there for people mm-hmm. to listen to at their leisure. That's fantastic, but you should be paid. Like, absolutely. This is important.
2: Uh, yeah. Rent, food, you know, right people <laughs> want money for those
1: stuff <laughs> can't live on descriptions
2: alone that's yeah. right that's right that's
3: so i can't true. go to that bank with their beautiful big tv screen and say uh-huh. i would like to deposit this half an hour episode please <laughs> think, uh,
2: Yeah, i've described your bank and it's obstreperous tv screen <laughs> yeah, why don't you right. like you know send what do you want to give landmark? me for that yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah yes wow uh so where can people find you and if they wanted to you know if there was something they hope you will describe in the future where do they where do they send that to or how do, how do how do we get in touch with you
2: uh, our website is www.talkdescriptionto.me.com, and that's uh the place to go for a reservoir of episodes teachable moments learnable moments uh our email is talk to me at gmail.com so if you have uh ideas or feedback please send them our way. Um, We're on Twitter at Talk Description and we have a Facebook page as well. And we're on Mastodon too. So we're everywhere. Even though we're not recording, we still, we keep an active social media presence and uh, just tweet things out about what we're up to or other description opportunities that people might be interested in.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so fascinating. I have lots of hours of content to get through still, but (laughs) I'll make my way through it. And I look forward to the new episodes. Lovely. Thank you. It's been great to chat. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, and join us next time.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, Visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.